The scripture lesson this morning comes from the epistle to those in Philippi, the fourth chapter reading from verses one through nine. Listen now to a word from our Lord. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I long and whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Synecte to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I also ask you, my loyal companion, help these women, for they've struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known by everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a question for you. When was the last time that you, you got knocked off your feet? figuratively or literally knocked down, like you have to get back up. Once I tried to avoid a gaggle, I don't know if that's what you, I think that's what you call geese, but a gaggle of elementary aged campers who were singing songs, walking on a sidewalk coming towards me. So I veered off the sidewalk to go around them and without warning what I did is I ran smack dab into a tree branch, literally, embarrassed in front of all those kids, I was on the ground. Body intact, but my pride was pretty wounded. But figuratively, I would tell you that it was last weekend that I got knocked off my feet in the Idlewild parking lot. Saturday, we hosted an additional food bank distribution run exclusively by teenagers and a few adult helpers. I just kind of made my way through the parking lot, kind of checking in on each station, and I moved to the back parking lot. The youth there were managing the lines of cars that were queued up for food. A woman had her window rolled down and actively was scolding this teen volunteer because another driver had gotten out of order and moved in ahead of her and From her perspective, it wasn't fair, and it wasn't just, and she was going to say something about it. She was frustrated, and I listened for a short second 
and I didn't like the tone that she was using. The teen was a first-time volunteer, and to be clear, I stood in grand judgment of her. So I tried to redirect. (laughs) Aren't these teenagers great out here on a Saturday helping us do the food bank? She just looked at me. So I tried the more direct approach. I see that you are frustrated. Can I please just beg your patience, please? We're trying the best we can out here. Well, some might say it this way, I got schooled in the parking lot, but I would tell you that I got knocked off my feet. Her eyes just seared into mine. Everything went silent that morning, except for the clearness of her voice. Firmly, she said to me, I am patient. I have been waiting in line since 6 a.m. for food this morning. Her eyes just kept mine, and my mind raced because I knew that tone. And it didn't take long for me to remember those lines from MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail that the greatest stumbling block to racial equity wasn't the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but it was the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Be patient, the white moderates asked. Be patient. It's what I'd asked her. There I was in the instability of that moment. I was knocked off balance. I was more devoted to order than to justice. And her challenge forced me. It forces us to examine the bigger systems that allow some to profit in a pandemic while others starve. Paul says, let your gentleness be known. If anything is true, honorable, or just, think on these things. For the context of the letter of the believers in Philippi, it helps to know that Acts 16 describes Paul's missionary journey to the Roman colony in Philippi. Paul travels with Timothy and Silas, and they get to know the people in Philippi. And the early church was strengthened by their visits. And they met a range of people, rich and poor, those who listened to them, those who taunted them. And still, and yet, they grow to love these people in Philippi. They meet a wealthy woman, Lydia, who sells purple cloth. And she listens eagerly to these stories about Jesus. And God opens her heart and transforms her into a believer. And transformed, she invites the missionaries into her home, where her whole household is converted. And then Paul and Silas, well, they meet a slave girl who was a fortune teller. And the Bible says Paul was annoyed by her taunts. She would taunt them saying, these men are the slaves of the Most High God. These men are the slaves of the Most High God. You can hear that annoying voice. 
But Paul turns to her and performs an exorcism. And the owners of this slave girl are angered at the loss of their financial capital based on her talents. And so they just have Paul and Silas jailed. And while they're in jail, imprisoned, an earthquake happens and springs open the jail doors. Paul and his friends say to the jailer, this is one of my favorite texts in all of scripture, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Paul's staying put in the presence of that jail turned into transformation for that jailer and his household who came to profess faith in Christ. So these folk in Philippi that Paul, Timothy, and Silas met become like brothers and sisters. They become joy and crown. They become beloved. And Paul grew to love and care for them, and he he sees their faith in Christ as part of his important work with Christ. It's the content of the whole letter of Philippians. Paul lives his transformed life in Jesus Christ's strength, and he wants to model that anywhere he is, living like Christ. Christ who humbled himself, literally emptied himself for the sake of God's love. So Paul longs, you hear it, I love you and I long to be with you. He wants to visit these good friends and family again, but he can't. He's imprisoned in Rome, and he writes, and this letter is Paul's encouragement to the people of Philippi to stand stand firm in the Lord. So this letter and this portion that we have this morning is about how not to get knocked off your feet in the ways of the world. The Philippians were living under the reign of Emperor Nero, who was known for his tyranny. Ancient writers blame Nero for starting the fire that literally burned down almost all of Rome. Only a 14 quadrants, only four survived this fire. And the language was supposedly Nero just fiddled while the fire went on. But Nero blamed the Christians for the fire and it began a grand persecution And Christians faced extreme conditions for their loyalty to Christ instead of the emperor. Rejoice. Paul says, he says it again, and again I say, rejoice. The Lord is near. He urges those in Philippi to stand firm, especially to help the women who are struggling under some unnamed conflict. We don't know and we can't know the root of that conflict, but we do know that the women have suffered with Paul for Christ's sake in ministry. And that struggling together, it matters. Paul implores his brothers and sisters to help in a very specific way, to be of the same mind in the Lord. When Christ is at the center, we are different people. We risk ourselves and maybe even our loyalties 
to be bound in standing with one another in Christ's love. We listen and maybe even set aside our judgment to be bound with another in Christ's love. It's a kindness like no other. And we, we can't dismiss differences with phrases like politics don't belong in the pulpit because we acknowledge that standing firm in Christ acknowledges that God's justice runs counter to the ways of the world. And the church, this church and the church of Jesus Christ has a witness to make in these days. We have to be better than the world before us, which is entrapped in decline, in disruption and despair. And as we stand bound in Christ's love, we rejoice and we let our gentleness be known to everyone. And as we stand bound in Christ's love, we do so because we trust in Jesus Christ with the whole of our lives, that Jesus is our guard, that Jesus is our guide, and that the Lord is near. So Paul engenders the community in Philippi, and he engenders us to think about these things, the things of God which are true, which are honorable, just, pure, pleasing, and commendable, not just to think, but to keep on doing the things that help individuals and a community to stand firm and bound in Christ's love. Quoting the insight of Bill O'Brien, who is the CEO of Hanover Insurance, he says the success of any intervention depends on the interior condition of the intervener. The interior condition of the intervener. As the church, we are called to intervene. And Paul reminds us that our individual and collective interior condition must be of one mind in the Lord. <laughs> I recognize that we are not of one mind when it comes to our politics. And the gospel makes it clear that we are to serve and to live in God's love and Jesus Christ in all things. And this is not some false sense of unity that we have to come to, but it is hard work. In their song, We Stand, the group called The Many sings that hope comes to us when we stand together in Christ's love. And the chorus reminds us of what we know too well to be true. We've all been hurt. And when there is so much pain and so much broken, let us not sit in judgment or bow only in prayer. Let us not leave in anger or stay in our despair but let's stand. Let us stand in Christ's love. This song, We Stand, suggests a simple dependence on the one who strengthens us, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul wants us to hear in this letter to the Philippians. And that's why Paul reminds the people, God is near. 
Rejoice, and again I say rejoice, for your names are written in the book of life. In that parking lot last Saturday, in that moment of conflict with that food bank guest and woman who I asked to be patient, in humility, all I could say, all I could say was, please forgive me and lock eyes in Christ. In these days, in moments when we will find ourselves in conflict with another, I am prayerful. I am hopeful that we as God's people know how to serve standing in Christ Jesus' love. We stand. Amen.